This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 266, recorded on June 23rd, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all your favorite tech news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. It's kind of warm, but Mike, today, not too bad. Some um, A little cold front came through, cooled it down to like 93. Hey, that's <laughs> so, cool for this week. I've been at College World Series a few times, and I was wishing oh, it was a little bit colder. Just baking here. We are just baking. Of course, we post the show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. I also got sick on Monday, which just ruined my voice. Dwayne, uh, you, you were your your voice was not doing well, right? As well. Until about 9 a.m. this morning, I couldn't talk. Wow. So, so yeah. I will be partaking in the uh, in some keep, sort of liquid to keep yes, it keeping the throat sufficiently. Uh, but it, I did a podcast this morning and uh, could not. Uh, I mean, I I did okay, but by the end, it was getting pretty scratchy. So. It's good, Dwayne. It's a good thing you're here tonight. Uh, we'll let you do most of the talking. Of course, Home Gadget Geeks is the part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts out at thegeeksnetwork.com and a lot of stuff, good stuff going on out there. I will remind you, don't forget about our, our mobile app, homegadgetgeeks.com is the way to get that. And I've noticed a few of you have downloaded it recently. You can get the live show. It's really the best way to get the live show when you're traveling uh, to and fro in the airport if you just have Wi-Fi. Uh, you can listen live here on Thursday nights when you're traveling around the country in the car, whatever. Uh, easy to get, totally free. Just download it, homegadgetgeeks.com. All right, well, three weeks ago, Dwayne Robinson was with us, and uh, a really good show, Dwayne. It actually sparked some conversation in the community about home automation, and a lot of folks are interested. I think, I think Dwayne, we finally hit mainstream where the average guy is aware of and maybe even owns one or two home automation devices or they're thinking about it. Don't you get that feeling as you talk with people? It's Since it's in Home Depot, it's in some of the big box stores, it's with the Nest or with Philips or with some of those, don't you think we've reached that point? Yeah, I think the average person or the average guy has uh, right. <laughs> uh, has probably started to think about this. And, mm -hmm. and again, I think I think one of the discussions we had last time that you know we maybe can talk about a little bit um, this show a little more maybe toward the end is uh, that whole discussion as we kind of go through all the stuff that we were going to finish out from the last show. I think we start getting into do you really need one thing, right? Is it all one app and does that make sense and should it really work that way versus what are the shall we call it the pockets of of collaboration where I need maybe certain things to work with certain things so they might need to be together but other things may not be so important um, and it, I think that was where we were talking toward the end of the show last time is that I was kinda coming to the realization that I wanted to do all this stuff at my house and I was just kept playing within the confines of one solution and it was making me not happy but now I couldn't be happier with what I have and uh, but I feel like I'm doing more best of breed um, to be able to get the results I'm looking for 
Um, yeah. so. And that'll be the interesting part, too, when you see Apple kind of jumping into the game. Last time we talked, we hadn't really heard how Apple is going to integrate HomeKit, and now at WWDC we saw them, you know, you're going to have a Home app on your new iOS device in the, in come this fall when they update. That kind of brings in any HomeKit-compatible devices. So yet again, another company that's jumping in trying to be your, like you were just talking about, one app where you go to control everything, and it's going to be one more player in the game that's going to spice things up a little bit, be a little interesting. If anything else, even if it's not good, it's the least competition. Yeah, well, and I, I think there's also another part of this that's starting to kind of within my role at Microsoft, I'm starting to see a bit of a shift from the concept of an app being something that runs on a mobile device to more of an application is more of a component of an AI. So think of it that you've got something that takes care of, think of an app more along the lines of something that takes care of something for you. And then you uh, think of the phone as being a personal assistant. And that's kind of the coordinator, just like the phone coordinates all the different apps that you have. Think of it that this is something that's handling, understands my schedule, understands my preferences, and then it feeds that back and forth to different AIs that help come up with what is the right decision for you. And so when you start looking at this, um, I think the home automation place is going to be the place where we're going to see this manifest very well because I don't want to have to tell my lights to come on. I want my lights to know that I come home at a certain time and other things to know that it's me. And when I get there, I just want it coordinated um, without me necessarily having to do everything and programming rules. And I think that's very rudimentary. And I think as we start seeing AIs become more the modern, shall we call it, operating system, I think that's where we're going to really see home automation take off because that's where it will pay its biggest dividends, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't... Well, we, we're seeing with Echo, right, the the ability of the or Alexis, Amazon Echo, um, the ability to just talk right into and get to do what you want. Just before the program, it's funny, I, I invoked, and I have to be careful, but Cortana, and and said, hey, open you know, open the Edge browser, and boom, it just opens right up. And I imagine uh, in the future, I haven't checked this, uh, Dwayne, you might be able to speak to it, but, you know, open the Edge browser and go to this, go to this address, and it just, right, it should just do it for me, right? That's the kind of the the speak it and do it methodology as well as control all the things that are around us. Well, think of it that, okay, so if you if you look at it from a Cortana standpoint, right, which I can speak to more than, uh, probably more than most at this point, is uh, you start really getting into things like prediction, right? I understand your commute. I understand what your home is. So when I know that you're getting close to your home, and then you start getting into things like, well, Echo is kind of extensible, so why can't these things talk and work together? And I think that's what you're really going to start seeing in this space is because uh, you may have your choice of personal assistant. You know, personally, I would say that uh, you know, the good thing about Cortana in that space is right now you're starting to see Microsoft put in on all platforms. It's the only real one that's doing that right now. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see where Apple and Google move in these spaces as well as Microsoft because we're, we're kind of already taking those steps. We're going to put it, we're going to go where, wherever you are and the experience follows you wherever you go. Um, when you talk about Echo, why can't we be there, right? Where, why can't we be everywhere? 
Uh, and I think that's the kind of the new Microsoft. It used to be we were really confined, like uh, what Apple and Google were doing, where the operating system was key um, to control where we went. But um, I'm, I'm glad to see the new way we're working. So it's good yeah. stuff. It's It's got a ways to go. Uh, Drash is talking about, you know, kind of the standardization of the various devices is still not, I mean, there's still a lot of bickering and arguing about who controls who from that, you know, standpoint. But I think we have a ways to go. Let me do back up a little bit. If you're new and you're listening to this program for the first time, we interviewed Dwayne back on Home Gadget Geeks uh, 263. This is three weeks ago. Before you, because this is going to be a continuation of that conversation, so if you didn't hear that conversation, it might be a good idea to stop this. Go back to 263. I'll roll through that. Um, Dwayne's going to kind of update you on his gear and some of those things that we're doing, uh, his phones and some of those pieces. And, and then the second half of the discussion plays into what we talked about or what we're talking about right now where we go through some home automation devices and we kind of end it, Dwayne ends the program by saying, you know, there is no one, everybody's trying to be the one service to control them all and you end up degrading some of the services when you try to force lights into a temperature app or when you try to force the temperature into your garage door opener. You know, none of those things are designed for that or, or think about your, your irrigation system that's quickly going completely automated from that standpoint. So do you want your irrigation system controlling your lights? You know, those kinds of things. I think that's a, a, a you know, a too simplistic way of looking at it, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. So we cover that in 263. Dwayne, you've got some updates to do when we talk about Iris, because you, you've had some things happen just in the three weeks that uh, we we had you didn't have you on the show. You want to bring us in with that? Yeah, so just to kind of go back to and bring people up to speed, Iris is a home automation system provided by Lowe's. So if you want to get it, they actually make their own uh, home automation system and sell them within Lowe's uh, stores. So uh, it's it's not a it's not a bad solution. It's actually got a lot of a lot more device support than most people think. Um, and it's interesting because it's probably one of the bigger ones that is not as well known as smart things. Um, we've always said that it seems to be stronger in security than the other providers. And I think we even discussed last last time that they're going to be introducing the ability to have it monitored like a true like ADT historical system that for like $19.99 a month and it gives you all of the capabilities and the monitoring and wireless uh, service for like a uh, like a Verizon air card that it uses to back up if the internet goes down and things like that so so I think looking at it if you're you know just iris itself home automation system really strong in its own security um, and automation, and we're starting to see Lowe's really kind of, shall we say, strongly encourage anything that's sold in their stores to work with Iris. So um, it does seem to be slightly cheaper to buy into than a, um, say, smart thing system. But there was a piece of information that we talked about last time, which is actually quite pertinent at this point, because today is June 23rd. And as of June 30th is the last day that Lowe's Iris V1 will be in service. And that requires you to move to V2. And if you don't know much about V2, I encourage you to go back and listen to the last episode because we really talk about some of the challenges around V1 to V2. And I think Smart Things had a very similar challenge from V1 to V2. They completely changed their platform. Everything's completely different. 
you don't have different same interfaces, none of that stuff. So there was a, at the time, we talked about a future release that was coming to the uh, Iris application, the version 1.10 that was being released in June. And, and when I talked last time, we said it was coming soon. Well, it's out now. And to me, the key feature coming out of that was that it was going to add something that I needed. So I had a home that was my old home that we were that we were actively looking to sell and then I have my new home and during that time is when Iris went from V1 to V2 so I took one home and ran it on V2 and another home running on V1 well I at an inflection point that I need to move my old home to V1 and so interestingly enough I have now done the migration but I was waiting on a key feature to be able to do the migration because the application for Iris did not support multiple places. You couldn't have two homes in a single app under an account. Now with the release of six, I'm sorry, of 1.10, uh, they have now added support of, of what they call places. And that means you could have multiple hubs, which are multiple locations, that come into the Iris application. And it's funny, I ran into a problem where occasionally in Iris, if, if you have a device that's like on, let's say it's on the very edge of the Z-Wave capability of the hub uh, for pairing, it'll pop in there and it'll say like device one uh, discovered. And the device thinks it's paired and Iris thinks that it's paired, but it's not paired. It's like in this weird unstable state. Well, the, then you try to go and re delete the device through whatever means you want, and the Iris app tells you, yeah, you know, go pound sand. It's not going to let you do it. So what we, what I, you have to do is you actually have to call support. They're pretty quick to answer the phone, and I'm, I'm going through the process of trying to explain to them that I have multiple places, and um, just so that people can see, I'm going to show you if you have an Iris app where this is. So this is the Iris application itself on a phone. And if you notice here, this says like this is one picture of a house. But up here on this hamburger menu that you hit, you can now, you'll see that it says like 9800 Walnut. But if you touch that, you can now have multiple homes. I actually had to teach the Iris people on the phone through numerous conversations <laughs> that they now had places because he could not find the device because the device was on he could see the default which was my first home the second one he could he didn't know how to switch in the menu to the other thing so just be aware that if you've got an advanced configuration like this you might actually know something more than they do whenever you call um, but I did have to go through the migration other interesting thing that I found out is, is going through the migration they have they released this migration utility that will move over all your devices, all your rules, all that stuff. And it won't work. It will not work if you have two hubs. So so when I did it, it goes, you already have a hub, we can't move a hub over. And so uh, their migration utility would not do that. So I got the wonderful experience of going through and manually unpairing and repairing 20 devices in a home to the IRIS system. 
and I found a trick that people will love. So let's say that you have a house that's multiple stories and you need to Z-Wave pair multiple devices. And those devices are locks. Not really something you can take off the door and run it down to the hub to pair it. So there's a little trick to Iris, which you guys might actually think is interesting. It might work on other systems. I have no idea if it will, but um, the trick is you go down to the hub, you get really, you got to do this quickly. So what you do is you take it, take it, and you go in and you add the device like you want to put it in pairing mode with the hub. Then you unplug it from the wall and from the internet. You run upstairs to to your lock. You put the lock to program and link up. It will pair up. Then you run the hub back down and plug it into the, the power and the internet again, and it will add the device back in. It has enough. It's got a battery in it or enough juice uh, to hold it? Yeah, you, you got four double A's in the bottom of the hub for battery backup in yeah. case power goes out. And so you can basically, the guy's like, I'm, I'm literally like running through the house and trying to make sure that these <laughs> things are paired. And, and I'm up the stairs and, you know, this this house is huge and that I that I used to have. And so I figured it was why, it was probably a good thing to let people know. If you get the device one thing that says, oops, you can't uninstall, call support, just tell them real quick, say, I got a device that's screwed up. I just need you to delete it for me. And they'll take care of it. It it takes probably five minutes to for them to do that. Do that. They're they're not real bad on their call weights right now. Um, and then I mean, for for people who are buying right now, though, they're not able to buy V1, right? The V2 is in the stores. And um, yeah, they they have to buy V2. And what I'm talking about on the V2 hub, um, that's where it happens. Oh, okay. You, you don't have it on V1. I don't remember it having that problem, but I know that in V1 and in V2, that one of the guys taught me this trick on support of running with the hub and I was like ah so it will pair on up you just got it I think they said you've got to get it back in about 60 seconds to 90 seconds back on power. back in uh, mainly actually the Ethernet's the first okay. thing I would plug in because it's really that it needs to talk back because the uh, the power just takes that off battery power but what you want is you got to get it before that pairing process times out and as long as you tell it to go ahead and pair what you need, you know, you do it a device at a time. But it's, it's probably a good trick. I assume that most of the hubs would probably do this. I, I, I would love to see if someone tested a SmartThings hub, but they have backup batteries in those, right? Do you guys know? No, I don't have any SmartThings. Yeah, so I see here, like Anthony Rayner uh, just said in here in the chat that he did the migration. Um, and... Like I said, I could not get it to do the migration with the migration utility, but the trick on this is that if you ever have to take devices off of a hub and move it to another hub, your best bet is go through the unpairing process of the device, so delete it from the old system, and then go back. Otherwise, you're going to have to take, if you have a device that's in this inconsistent state, like let's say that you have a Z-Wave device that was paired with something else and you can't kill it off. Most of the um, modern hubs uh, and even Iris didn't have this in V2 at the start, but they have it now. There's a thing called Z-Wave Tools where you can go in and you can say force remove something. And it basically puts it in a pairing mode where when you go in and you say repair a Z-Wave device, it will tell it 
yeah, release the your old configuration so that you can repair it with a new you, new unit. Um, I used to do this with a Vera um, when when Iris didn't have this capability, but Iris did add that capability uh, last year sometime. So it's a it's a good thing to know. But again, the easiest thing for you is just simply unpair everything, go through the unpairing process, and then repair it. And one of the things that I learned, if you're going through this migration, don't unpair everything. <laughs> unpair it a device at a time so you know which sensor you're pairing back up um, and just bring it over. It it took me roughly about five minutes a device to get it done. So it took a little while to get it done. I am up and running on it. It does seem like the Z-Wave um, range on Iris 2 Hub is a little shorter. So I see occasionally we'll see some devices drop off, but they come back in about five minutes. Um, and so I would just forewarn somebody, if, if you are a larger home, I do not have this problem in my house that's about... Uh, my new house is a two-story home, and it's about right at 3,000 square feet. My old house was a ranch with a full basement, and it was about 5,100. And the 5,100 is a little too big for, for that without a repeater, um, which Iris does sell, and, and it does also repeat Z-Wave. So, so those, that would be the thing that I would tell you, is if, you, if you're over about 3,000 square foot home, that, then you're going to end up needing to get some repeaters uh, with the V2 hub. So that's kind of an update on where I ended up with that. Um, I think it's important to know that you know that migration utility won't work in that particular case, and that now this is that feature's there, especially when you only have seven days left to get off of V1. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I think that's kind of a, a okay. good update on that one. And so, any others in that that we talked about that that yeah. uh, anything? Yeah, so also last time I talked about Arlo. Um, so Arlo is made by Netgear. I think we were going back and forth, and it was like, ah, oh, that's a Netgear camera. It, it is. Um, it's Arlo is basically this application and service that can that kind of works with their cameras. Um, oh, and by the way, Anthony said that uh, on his migration. He said his froze at 40 minutes, and he gave up and did the devices manually. So I would just tell you at this point, don't even worry about the migration utility. You're going to, your mileage, it may work, but I, I've not heard of a lot of success with this. So, but getting back to Arlo, um, Arlo is made by Netgear. It's their cloud service with camera solution. They have three different camera types. They have the Arlo Wire Free, which is what we talked about a good bit before, uh, which is completely wireless. Just you know, you take the camera and you put these batteries in it, and it supposedly runs for about a year um, on those, depending on your amount of video you're recording. And they had night vision, was waterproof, and everything, but completely wireless. And I, I have to say, Jim, just want to reattest. Love me some Arlo wire-free. Just put it wherever the heck you need it. It comes. It runs on its own separate wireless network, so it's not eating up your bandwidth. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful solution. So I've added a little, Jim, and uh, I'm gonna 
make sure that people understand this so they don't think I'm creepy because this is the creepiness coming out. And is uh, so in our old house that's on the market, we started seeing this. We got us this new realtor, and he's been doing a great job. And we went from two showings a, a month to we had ten in five days. And some people, I would, I had my iris system set up with alarms that said if a door is open for more than 30 minutes, alert me. So I started getting that in the evenings, and there's so many people coming through, and I had a, I have a lot of like uh, home theater equipment that we were potentially going to leave at the house, and I was worried that someone could just accidentally leave a window unlocked and come back and try to take stuff and not being able to control that and not being able to see it. So I did I did go ahead and buy a new Arlo camera. It was like, uh, I was happy with these, so I wanted an indoor one. So I got the Arlo Q, not the Q+, Plus, but the Q. It's uh, It was roughly about 220 bucks. Um, I think we, in the old show notes, we had some links to these different things. Um, but you can find them all on Amazon using the averageguy.com's Amazon link. Yeah, the averageguy.tv slash Amazon. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so, we'll add that to the bottom of the screen on the YouTube video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoop, 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 whoop. Make sure it's flashing. Buy now, buy now. That's right. Um, I think we saw a few keen vents last last week on it. I think um, we did, actually. <laughs> we did. Some people reached out to me and they're like, I got to have those vents. Oh, yeah. And by the way, those little um, ceiling things that I ordered back before that, they were out of stock, and I'm still haven't gotten them. And there's, they say, keep sending me emails. Oh, we're going to send them so your vents don't fall out and hit you in the head. <laughs> um, so, and then by the way, Keen is actually on back order now. Did you see that? I think we did that. Really? Yeah, they're, they're like on back order, but they went on sale. Hey, let's um, take credit for it. Might as well. There's no way to prove it. Yeah, why not? Keen. <laughs> Where's the sponsorship? This is like when Leo unleashes his army and they take down a site. You know, we just take out Amazon and sell literally products. We sold every keen keen vent. I I will tell you a little trick on that. If you're trying to get a keen vent and you can't find it, you can't get it on the online store. Go check your nearest Lowe's. They stock them. So and they seem to be there even when they're on back order. Uh, through their distribution. So, so anyway, so back over to Arlo. So I decided to get this camera. And let's just refresh everyone on this camera. It's an indoor-only camera, capable of 1080p. It does motion and sound alerts. It can do audio recording in conjunction where the others that I had before, the wire-free does not do audio. It has a 130-degree view on the camera lens versus 110, which is massive. It it can do 24-hour recording. And it has two-way voice control, so you can talk through it back to someone. You you don't have to just listen in. So I got this because mainly I wanted the 1080p, and I just wanted to plug it in. I didn't want to have batteries. Um, and so I got this camera, and this thing is freaking awesome. I mean, I, I'm not kidding you. It, it's, it's so funny because the angle of the lens, so I took this thing and I put it in the home theater, and its wide-angle lens literally gets the wall where the theater screen is all the way around to the wall on the other side of it, and it has even more degree than that, so you can see both walls. And so 
the the fun part has been that I'm telling my realtor what the the people are uh, saying about the house because <laughs> I didn't realize this was kind of a afterthought about it is I'm getting all these alerts that there's motion within the room and I go and I'm like oh I'm gonna watch the video and it's like oh they're talking about my house and so uh, I have a funny? video <laughs> you're getting some intel on your buyers <laughs> oh yeah so so now I got a guy and he's out here and he's like dancing to Mickey Mouse in the in the front of my theater room. And all my friends are just thinking it's hilarious, but uh, but yeah, no, I couldn't be happier with that thing. I tested the audio. There's definitely a delay from the video um, that you know when you're gonna say something, you can hear it back through because you hold down a button on the app and you say something through it, and then it uh, it basically um, sends the information over, and then you you will actually hear it be repeated on the other side. Um, but just to give you kind of a visual for those that have not seen Arlo, it it's basically looks like this. I can uh, I can scroll up and here's the video. Here's the actual theater room, and the controls on it. If we go into it here, I'll I'll see if I can't show you what it looks like to be able to do the voice. So you can see here. There's the a live video of the house uh, going on. It's actually got audio. And then on the bottom here, you would hold this down to send the video uh, to send the audio out. So it's it's pretty neat. And if I did it, and we go, and how? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. How much are those cameras a piece? Uh, these are roughly they're about uh, two hundred and twenty bucks if you look for one. The okay. interesting thing though is, um, so I'm not paying for the Arlo service. So I haven't paid for any upgrades. You get up to five cameras, get seven days of cloud storage, and you, and I think, I can't remember the limit. There is a total storage limit that it gives too, but I'm nowhere near it. I mean, these these videos are really small um, when they record because they usually record for up to 300 seconds unless you say go 24/7. If I did a 24/7, I'm going to run out of storage before I run out of time. I'm running out of time before I run out of storage with three cameras uh, in a normal mode. I got one that's I mounted and I'm going to have to change because it's got my uh, swing on my porch in it, and every time the wind blows, it makes it go off. And so I am. You can't adjust the um, sensitivity on the wire free and on the Arlo Q there was a discussion about zones on some of the cameras that we were talking about I think the ring camera that we were talking about last week the last time I was on uh, this one doesn't have as much control on the zones but it has three different zones that you can control for motion say only if something's in this zone uh, do you go off but I think the best part of it is you can literally say only record when there's audio. You can say I don't even care about movement unless there's audio, don't record. Or you can say do both or either. Uh, it can trigger it, and so and it'll tell you, hey, not only is there motion, it'll say there's there's an audio alert on your phone. And so I, I found that that has been really I, I can't recommend this thing enough. I mean, it it is absolutely one of the the best buys that I've had, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, Jim. I have been trying to do cameras forever, and, and I, I was having nothing but problems. The Iris cameras, um, sorry, Lowe's, they're junk. They are absolutely horrible. Um, 
and they're massive and ugly and just not appealing, hard to wire uh, and everything. This is where I would say I can't tell you how happy I am by making the decision to separate. I have motion sensors in the house. I can know if something's in a room. But the cameras have motion sensors too. If the camera's there, it's going to get the information. I would rather spend 30 extra bucks to get an extra motion sensor and put it in a room to trigger motion actions for my iris system any day over sacrificing the experience that I get from a full-fledged, full-featured system like Arlo for video surveillance than to go and get you know, an iris-enabled thing. There's not enough value. There's not enough reason to do that. The camera's going to record if there's motion or audio. Why do I care about if the alarm goes off, everything record? I, I don't need that. If something is important and there's something there, it will record it. So this is an example of where I feel like I have really made my life so much better by just kind of losing my give-a-crapper <laughs> when right. it comes to this. Well, and I'm, I'm kind of the same way on these cameras. It's funny hearing you talk about this because I'm considering new systems uh, for the future house that whenever we move into because right now I've been playing around with kind of a build-your-own solution. I have a D-Link camera, and then I just bought a $30 HoSafe. It's a 720p indoor-outdoor bullet-style camera mm -hmm. that works out pretty well. It gives out an RTSP um, stream link that you can plug into stuff. And so I've been playing with like iSpy, which is kind of an open source on the Windows side of things software that does all the recording. And, and it's kind of nice playing around, but you're right, having having it separated from everything else is nice. And then when you, obviously the price difference between you know buying something like this and running it with free software compared to like an Arlo, then you get the mobile, you get you know being able to talk back to things. Right now I can view, there's no audio from that $30 720p camera, but at least it's a, it's a camera view that I can see what's going on. It'll probably just go you know on the back door or something like that. But Arlo and these sort of solutions are interesting. I like the home security as far as... Uh, cameras go. I like that whole idea, and it's interesting. And I like how yours you can set. You said you can set zones on that one, right? So you could ignore yeah, the porch swing swinging, and you could maybe just pick up from somewhere else if someone walks into the frame or something like that. Yeah, and then the other thing that you know everybody's like, oh well, you can't get the video from the camera. That's not true. In Arlo, you can download the video directly on your phone. You can download it. They also have a web interface okay. uh, as well. You can invite friends to your service so that you can say someone can go and view the cameras or only certain cameras. And so, like, log in and she can get hers. And I can say, which well, only one camera and not another. Or she can see them all, but she can't control them. A whole ability to put the security around it. You can download it. Um, on a PC, you can download it on a on on the application itself, and it's not like I mean, let's be real. If this thing gets enough traction, how long will it take before somebody starts writing an app that logs into this thing and downloads the videos for you and just archives them, right? So, I mean, it, it's got to be something that can be done, even if you do it through a web scraper. But the point being is, I really see that. These guys are wanting to get into security cameras. I don't see them trying to necessarily get into making a home hub, right? And so they're going to want this thing to work with everything. So it goes back to, 
let's say we go all the way to AI or you know what we were talking about before, where maybe we're talking about Amazon Echo. Hey Echo, record video on the front porch. Why can't that work? It can. It doesn't, and I and I think this is where these AIs are going to take this function for us and and simplify all this stuff. And the if thens then that, right? You you look at that. If if they just add that support on both of these sides, then if the camera gets video, set off the alarm. You know that type of stuff. I don't understand why it needs to all be in the same thing. And I think that's going to be the maturity that we're going to start seeing is is system to system integration and best of breed systems coming in working with others. It's kind of like uh, I was kind of hoping Nest would have done this, but Nest has been very closed door and not willing to, you know, it's very much, okay, we're going to partner, and, and then Google bought them, and it became harder to partner with them and, and make them open because you got Google's influence on it. I really like seeing companies like Netgear that they just want to make a good point solution, and then they want to own that space. They're not trying to world dominate and be everything to everyone. They're just doing what they do, and they do it really well. And that is, you know, two thumbs up for me on that one. I, I can't recommend this enough. Now, you might have already said this. Forgive me if you did. But on the Arlo system, can you record that locally to a NAS unit or something like that instead of paying for the cloud storage, or is it simply a cloud system? It's cloud only um, with a download option. So I'm. it wouldn't surprise me in the least if they had it where you'll be able to say, here, back up my files to a different location. They they offer to sell more storage right. and for more cam, but it's really more cameras that you're really gonna need for that. I, unless you go over five cameras, I don't think you have to pay for storage. I mean, you're you're talking um, from my view of it. I don't view it, it while it is a cloud solution, and we were talking about pay. It's only what you pay for it to really get a ton more storage. Um, and add more than five cameras. And I don't know a lot of people that need more than five cameras right. um, on their system. I mean, I only have two to cover the whole outside of, you know, my front porch, my back porch, and my new house. And then I'll probably maybe have two cameras on the inside and key rooms uh, so that I can check on things. But, you know, having cameras on the inside of your house, you really start, you, you start having to go, well, how much of that do I really want? Um, is it worth it? Um, motion sensors are more important to me on the inside of a house than cameras. Right. But um, like I said, it, it, I don't. It's not there today. It wouldn't surprise me if you could have an automatic download into your cloud storage of choice, right. or or something that I would prefer it to not go to a NAS. I would prefer for it to go to like OneDrive. And then my NAS be able to back up my, you know, just suck down to my OneDrive. To be honest, that that would work right. better for me. Um, well, and that's a good solution for for the average guy, the person who doesn't have a ton of home storage or doesn't care about all of the, you know, different external places you can save it. Like, hey, it's in there, it's cloud. Like you said, up to five cameras, you're not paying anything anyway, which is good enough for most people. So it seems like they're kind of the make the money on the hardware sort of company. You know, if you're paying you're paying premium dollar for those cameras at two hundred and twenty dollars a piece, that's that's a good chunk of change for each camera. Yeah, and, and so uh, we had a question here about, you know, what happens when your internet connection dies. Okay, if that is a huge concern for you, 
Arlo sells the Q+, and the Q+, even has an SD card that you can put on, and it will record locally. Um, so if you need that, they have a solution for it. Uh, have I tried, like, go and unplug my internet connection and start running around in front of the cameras to see if it works or see if it queues it up? Haven't done it. I'll try it. I'll give you an update on that one to let you know. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, again, when we start talking about mainstream solutions, those are probably edge cases, right? If your internet connection is down, um, and are you going to be able to connect to the camera and see it anyway? Or are you just worried about getting a copy of the video? So, so what you're really worried about there, someone kills your internet and then goes and does all this stuff, right? right. And I get it. Um, but I would tell you that, you know, me personally, if that was the case of what I'm worried about, then you may then maybe that's you are more interested in integrating to something that has a backup wireless connection. So like if you bought an Iris cam, it'll back up to the cloud and it'll copy and do all that stuff. Um, but if it if the internet connection drops, you can make it jump over onto um, well, you can make it be wired, wireless, or you could then turn around and jump on cell to make sure that it gets copied. But the reality is, let's say that you back it up and it's able to co copy the video there. What's to keep someone from stealing the 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 camera with the the data on it or the NAS? They're already right. there, right? So, so my view of it is, I'd rather it go to the cloud. What what is beautiful about it is um, the outdoor cameras you really can't see them. They don't really blink at you. And then the Arlo Q camera even had the ability to turn off the LED indicator so people does, don't know it's there. And I can tell you that I turned that off in the, in the theater room uh, because it would be incredibly obvious and annoying if you're looking at the screen in the theater and there's this little light that's blinking at you. Uh, it would be incredibly obvious and even if someone was stealing something, I wouldn't want them to see that because they're going to steal the camera too. Um, so... So, and not that I wouldn't get the video of them doing it, but I would don't want them to steal the $220 camera. Um, so, I would tell you that there's a lot of good things and features in it. It's not going to be everything, but you got to kind of think about, you know, what's your use case. And in this case, this, you know, if you're not worried about that, if you do need local storage, then you get the Arlo Q+. It is indoor only uh, for the Arlo Q+, but... I really think that you're going to be happy with that. The other thing is don't be surprised. Because this is Netgear, there are certain routers uh, that Netgear is releasing. It wouldn't surprise me if you wouldn't be able to attach a USB hard drive to their router uh, that talks to the cameras and be able to dump the video directly to it. And so I, I'm just saying that Arlo is kind of new, and what I feel like they're doing is they're going for best of breed for this service. And I really think that they're knocking it out of the park right now. It's, it, I haven't seen something that competes with this full-featured, having all these different options. I'm sure there are really expensive solutions I'm talking about for the average consumer. Just to give you guys an idea of how to pair a camera with Arlo, how seamless they've made this for the average person, the way it works is you get the app, you add the device, and you say, this is the, mo this is the camera I'm adding. It tells you to turn, turn the camera around uh, and the phone takes a picture of the QR code on the back and adds the camera directly into your system. 
you don't have to punch anything in. You don't have to do anything. And so, and it goes out and it finds it. And not only that, it does that before it even finds Wi-Fi, guys. And so yeah. the phone app is talking over and talking to the camera some, somehow to tell it what wireless connection it should do because the phone has that information already on what wireless you're on. It's, it's, it's really great. Like setting up the Echo. You know, when you do that walkthrough on the phone, it connects to it and then redistributes out to the, yeah. the network. Yeah, no, that's interesting. We actually, so do those give you any other option? Like, can, does it give you an RTSP stream? And the only reason I ask is those are kind of handy... So I've been playing around with this whole baby monitor idea because we're having a baby in November. So I'm like, okay, I can set this up. I can do my own style. So I, with this new camera that we got, since it does the stream, I connected the Raspberry Pi up to the big screen in the living room and just has it mm. always streaming that. And so we can just switch inputs on the TV and view that camera. So that'll be maybe where the baby is. You can just switch over real quick, switch the inputs, and you've got your live stream there You know, of your kid. Does it give you any of those options or not? You know, I, I guess you I'm could not check sure your phone. It's, it's not a need, I guess. I don't really have that capability the, with the phone on this current system. So, so think of it this way: on a Raspberry Pi, just fire up the Arlo website and leave it there. Oh, there you go. You could do that. Yeah. So, and you can get a live feed from it from there. I think there's many ways to skin the cat. Right. So, um, what I would tell you. There's an OMX player on the Raspberry Pi, which actually it's one of the few ones that utilizes the Raspberry Pi's GPU, which I kind of like. That's for uh, for that OMX player, it works out pretty well. So here's one thing I'm going to do, Mike, just because I love you this much, man. Okay. I'm going to invite you to my Arlo so that you can log into it and play with it. Oh, hey. That'd How be about pretty, that? Yeah, that'd be a blast. I'd love seeing that. You know why? Because I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, you're putting a lot of trust in a 25-year-old that you don't know very well, man. No, no, no. I didn't <laughs> say I was going to give you the configuration options. I'm going to give you viewability. Okay, uh, that's cool. And I'm not going to be walking around uh, naked in front of that thing. But, uh, you know, don't be spying on my wife taking the dog out in the mornings, okay? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, but just to uh, even show my wife has an option of, hey, when you know, this could be one of the options that we could do. Yep. And, yeah. And the cool thing is when I invite you, you can hit it from the web, you can hit it from Android, iPhone, whatever. That's right? cool. And uh, I'm hoping that, uh, listen here, Netgear, I work for Microsoft. I'm talking about how great your stuff is. I want a universal Windows app. Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I would say that that's probably a good chance that that's coming. And by the way, if it if they just think of this, if they do write one, what keeps that from running on my Xbox One? That um, is what I've been waiting for. I was searching up and down to see if there's any way possible because the browser won't pull it in. The Edge browser won't on the Xbox. I was like, oh, there's got to be some way I could get some configuration. So I wrote my own little web page that's stored on my NAS. That works. I can. I just wrote a little web page that pulls some stuff in, and I have like a four camera view, and that's the only way I can get it. But it's really clunky, and it's not very responsive. But you it works. so have a test case that I'm going to go try when I get home, and that is I'm going to fire up my Xbox One and Edge and see if I can get into Arlo. That would be work. great. Yeah, you should test that out, and then you can pin that right to your home screen, that bookmark, and you'd be able to fire it right up. That's what we're looking for. That's what I would love. Yep, yeah. I'm going to work on that one for you, Mike. See, all right. this is all because, guys, we love Mike, right? <laughs> Do we? Not I don't Jim, know. <laughs> not, Jim, not Jim so much, just Mike. <laughs> it's just so. fun. I mean, I'll have all these new use cases for all this stuff. As soon as we start talking about the house, and we were touring a house today, and I'm already looking around to see if maybe the phone cord is actually, you know, Cat5 that I could turn from a phone jack into a 
uh, Ethernet jack, and it was it was a blast. I have way different views on houses than my wife does when we tour this stuff. Hey, listen, if anybody's in the Atlanta area and wants to buy a house, it's got all this stuff there for you. Dwayne seventy six on Twitter. DM me, follow me, whatever you want to do. Sell a house will, on the podcast. I like it. It will make you a deal. <laughs> so anyway, so so uh, maybe we should talk about a, another little device that I found that solved another use case. So so once I made that decision, let's back off of everything having to be in one thing. I started going, let's see what all I can do. Um, and I don't know if, I think we talked about this before where I warned everyone that if you are an Iris user and you go out and buy that $99 garage door opener thing that they have. Oh, yeah, you did warn us. That that, that doesn't work with all the garage door openers in the world. And it, it once you install it, you won't be taking it back apart. You will just literally say it's worth $100 to not deal with this craziness anymore. And uh, and so you chalk it up to lesson learned, and you get on a podcast and tell everybody don't buy this thing unless you know it's going to work with your garage door opener. So um, what I ended up finding out though is I have this. I think LiftMaster is like a popular type of uh, garage door opener. Yeah. And that's out there these days. I, I think you can get them from pretty much anywhere. Um, but there's this functionality that LiftMaster is starting to build into that and their gate systems, like you know, like the pin code gates and all, and they're calling it the MyQ system. And what I'm finding is that even if you don't, like my LiftMaster thing is like the people who built the house installed it, and it just says on the side, it says MyQ on the side. It is not Wi-Fi enabled. I want to make sure I'm very clear. This is not a Wi-Fi enabled garage door opener that cost an absolute stupid amount of money. What they have done is they've made their own little gateway device, and it's called a LiftMaster MyQ gateway. Um, I got show notes have the link and an Amazon link. Make sure you use Jim's Amazon link because... Oh, I'll change now. it. I'll change it now. before it goes out there. <laughs> so, uh, and what this thing does is, I was actually kind of worried about this when I put it in. It, 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 you plug this thing in, and it's the simplest thing in the world. It has an app that connects to it. Works the same sort of way as Arlo. It just, you know, you go in the app, and it says, "Hey, give me the code off the back of the thing," and it just joins in, plugs into your home network. Um, I don't know if it'll plug in Wi-Fi. I don't think it will. I think you have to plug this into Cat5. And I was really worried about this when I originally did it, Jim, because uh, the only place I had a power outlet in Cat5 was on the opposite side of my house from my garage. And I was like, holy crap, this is not going to work. And then it occurred to me that every time I push the, the button to open my garage, that tends to be further away than that on my, on my car. So I was like, oh, maybe it'll work. So I go over and I do this, and here's the interesting thing on the MyQ things. It does not need a tilt sensor to determine if the, if the garage door is open or closed because the garage door opener itself knows this. So what it does is it talks to this gateway. The gateway talks to an app, and it will tell you how many minutes your garage has been open or closed or if it's opening and closing and how many seconds it's been in that state. 
and you can also get notif push notifications direct to your phone anytime it opens or closes, which is wonderful. And so this thing is so stupid simple, and I will tell you how frustrating would it be for you to open your garage door, having to log into the Iris app, navigate to devices, go to garage door, press open. This thing, I push the button on the phone for LiftMaster, and I see a garage door that tells me if it's open or closed, and I just tap this big, huge icon. So I'll show you what this thing looks like so that you can see. It is literally, I come down here, and I hit the little MyQ icon. You'll see it go in, and it logs in that quick. And if I push this button right here. Are you actually opening your garage door? I am opening my garage door from, from California. My wife is going, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and, and when you do this remotely um, and you're opening it, you can see it saying it's opening. It's open now. Okay, And there's the alert that says it's open. My wife's going, what the heck are you doing? And then I come in and I hit it again and now I'm going to tell it to close. Now it will take longer to close because inside the garage this garage door opener is going eek 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 to let you know that it's remotely coming down and so now it's coming down and we shall see it, that it will go all the way through to a closed state and then what I'm going to do just for fun oh darn it I missed it um, is when I did that oh. And there's my wife calling to find out what the heck I'm doing. You want to tell her that? Uh, so you no, she's going to ask me, "Are you are you doing this?" <laughs> so I will text her really quick while yes. you guys talk to let my wife know that I was opening and closing the garage door yeah. for a demo. She's like, "Somebody's on the street hacking the hacking the garage door." <laughs> I assume. Uh, I assume, Dwayne, that it's got all the manual controls on the inside as well, right? So if you're in the garage, you want to open and close it. It's got the old, good, the good old-fashioned manual button that you just hit. Does the same thing, open and close, right? Yep. And and by the way, my wife's phone is alerting her as well that it's doing it. So even if she wasn't at home, we know that someone's messing with the garage door. Right. And so I, I would tell you, the other thing is, you know, I went ahead and put the little, it has everything where I didn't have to install any wires and run stuff up in it, uh, like the Lowe's thing. Um, uh, she says, my wife says, warn me next time you are freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're all about humor here, and I, I told our her, wives no. married us. They know that that's just what they're signing up well, for. Just to, say, you know, married yeah. like us. Tell, tell Mrs. Dwayne that I'm sorry. Yeah, I I told I I told her that Mike told me to do it. There <laughs> so you go. She, yeah, so it used to be I, do it for the vine. Now the hashtag is do it for the podcast. You know, just do it. it exactly, and and don't worry. I, I gave her your direct line, Mike. So oh, she, good. Be good. I'm glad. Well, I'll just have Hannah answer it, and they can rant about us together. Oh, there you go. I, yeah, my my wife's like all these things pop up all over the place. But but going into it, there's no wires that you do. There, I still have the same button on the inside that does all the normal controls. I didn't have to touch any of that. And I even have the thing that goes out on the outside of the garage with the punch pen code. Um, what I would tell you is that that was the worst investment I could have made because I never use the pen code pusher anymore. I just use my phone. Um, I don't even know if I've actually got a car. Um, uh, that has the thing where you can program yep. in the car, right. and, I, we have that and too. I'm too lazy to actually do it because now, because I have a 
the phone sitting here. I just do it from the phone. So I don't even program in that way. And in some ways, you can kind of think of it, maybe that's better or worse. I'm not sure. You forget to do that with your vehicle and leave the GPS stuff all configured in your car and you've given someone push this button to get to my house and there's the garage door. So, you know, so you can kind of think of it. Maybe that's helpful as well. That's true. But uh, yeah, there isn't a lot of security when you think about that in the car. There's, there, there really is no security to prove you are who you are when you push that button. If they have access to your car, they've stolen it or whatever. They're yeah. in the car, man. Hit the button, they're in. So that that's actually a that's actually I've never thought of it that way. But that's uh, it's a good way of thinking about it. And most yeah. people do have their home programmed in that GPS. You know, take me right. home. It just it's that one extra click. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the same thing can happen with your phone if you don't have a pen code. Put well, a pen code on your phone. True. But I will tell you the interesting thing though is uh, on it is uh, the one thing that people do complain. So it's not all you know, you know, prim and proper and great. Um, it you log into it with one account. So multiple user accounts to the same thing. It's not there. Um, I if you have two garage door openers, I, I have no idea what that looks like. I would assume that there's two icons for you. Um, but I would tell you that if, if this is something that you want to do, I highly recommend this over the approach of integrating it in. If you want to know if the door is open or closed in your system, buy the tilt sensor edition, put it into your iris system. Don't screw around with trying to open and close it with it. Just put the tilt sensor in and, and save yourself a whole lot of heartache. And don't spend the $100 on the, on the whole massive complex system buy the $35 tilt sensor put it on the door if you want iris to know about that so you know or put a motion sensor in your garage if you want to know stuff so because how much was that my system the MyQ system, that's a wonderful question here i will click on the link like hopefully solution. It won't that's kill really me. the one you want especially if you're moving into an existing house yeah it it's forty nine ninety three. It's like fifty bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. And the cool thing is, like I said, is that it actually also works if you had like a gate, like you needed to have like a pin code gate on your side of your house. It works with their their gate system as well, so you can unlock it and lock it, or a lot of their gates even are mechanic like electric that open like this. And so if you have one of those gates that's at the front of your driveway. This thing works with that as well, so you could literally have it where all of that stuff's controlled with it. Um, so, so I think they're pretty elegant. And again, they're not trying to make a hub that controls everything. This company makes garage door openers, and they do it darn well. The system works. I never have a problem. It is not flaky. When I hit the button, it opens and it closes. It alerts me every single time, and I think I proved that with my wife calling me. <laughs> that this thing is kind of like it. It also is a great thing because if you're like I'm out of town, I know that my wife got out of the house uh, with the kids. I just know it alerts me, it tells me when she did, and then when they closed the door and she didn't leave the door open. So those type of things are you know really nice for somebody that travels a lot uh, and you want to have control of it. I can't tell you how many times I accidentally left the garage door opening open and wanted to close it. So. And even when you don't, you always think you did, and it's just a peace of mind, right? Like you get out there and you're like, ah, I think I did. You, For me, I always end up actually locking it. I'm worried about locking my door, and I think, oh, I didn't do it. I always do it, but it's just being able to check is the great part. 
Yeah, and I would bring up that uh, LiftMaster does have Wi-Fi ones that the app works direct without the gateway. But if you have if if you already have one that has the gateway, I, and you can go read up on their website. I don't know that you even how much how like if you have that model uh, like a LiftMaster. I would say go out and read up on the gateway. They've got great information. I think you can even call them and ask them if yours is supported. Um, the other thing is if you don't want to spend a lot of money on the garage door opener itself, you, because that thing may wear out over time, you could just get the gateway separate from the actual system, uh, and it would be a much cheaper um, garage door opener but you could take the little gateway with you as you moved around. So, and, and it's not very big. It's it's only about like uh, it's smaller than an iPhone, much smaller. So it's it's a good, like I said, great solution. Um, meets everything I need. So, very cool. All right, you ready for the uh, well one yeah. that no one will ever suspect that I would need? If how how quick can you do it? Because we're in an hour and some change. Can we do it's it in quick. about ten minutes? Okay, cool. Let's do yep. it. Because this is pet net. I go out of town a lot, and I like to travel, but I have a cat. This is a problem, Jim. Because <laughs> if you've ever had these automatic feeders with schedules and stuff, you always worry whether or not the cat's getting fed and and everything and um, and all. And so. PetNet makes this, and you can get it at uh, PetNet IO. There, I bought it on Amazon. Use the link right here below. Anyway, uh, and basically what this thing does is it is a uh, web-connected pet feeder, and it has an app to it. And the app, you can schedule feedings. You can do how at what time, and you can have a whole schedule. You can do how much you want to feed the animal, and it can be a cat or a dog. It doesn't care what kind of food. Uh, you can put five to seven pounds in it. You can remote feed. You can you can even it's got a button on the front. And here's the funny thing: my cat realized it could push the button and was <laughs> deciding to dispense its own food. And my cat is incredibly fat, um, and so it would just sit and hit the button when it needed more food. So if that bothers you and you can't do it, yes, they have a disable function for the for the front button. Um, the other thing is I I didn't even know it did this. Uh, until the other day, uh, I get this, yeah, temporarily out of stock, yes, because um, it's freaking awesome. Um, so the it'll notify you when the food level gets low in the hopper. So when it starts to run out of food, it will tell you. It also, in the app, it'll tell you the nutrition value of the food that you have and make recommendations on portions based upon your cat or your dog or whatever. And then they even have a thing where the, which I don't use, um, to do a delivery service that will bring you food when you start to run out of food. And so, like, to have it just delivered to your house. So I'll, I'll jump over real quick and show you guys the center face on this thing just for fun. Um, oh, and here we go. And it's, it's actually telling me right here that we noticed that you filled your food hopper since the last time you were in the app. Can you tell us how much you put in it? so that we can kind of estimate when you're going to need more. And so we filled it at 100. Um, and it asks you, was this an unopened bag of food that you're using? Because you tell it how big a bag you're using. Um, and then it goes in and says it's all filled up. So you can see here at the bottom are all the different feedings. And there's the picture of my cat. 
So you can have multiples of these with different animals. And then it tells you it's online and you can go to the history. Oh, and you can see here I had a feeder jam alert on it, but all should be okay now. And then you can see successfuls. So if you're worried about your cat, you can or whatever when you're out, you can see here I had successful breakfast and lunch provided to my to my furry animal and and everything. So and you can also see when's the next ones. So lastly, on the bottom here is the little round button, and you can see here that I could go in and I could say that I wanted to feed feed them on demand as well. So if you're if you're into if you have animals and you're out of town, I think this is a really good solution. Interestingly enough, the uh, it's hard to find a feeder that like if you've got a really a cat that's fat like mine and they just start sticking their paw up in it. Um, they haven't been able to get that. Um, so it, it's like you can't, it, the old feeder just decided, you know, when I need a snack, I'll just reach up in here and uh, shake the machine like we used to do with the old old vending machines when you'd have your buddy, hey, watch out, and I'd reach up my hand in it. <laughs> we see the cat, like, arm up in it. Yeah. The best one is when the cat's got its arm way up in it like that. That's when you go and scare the crap out of it, and it's like, ah! <laughs> so, just like your, you know, your buddy would do to you when you're stuck up in there. So, uh, so like I said, this one no, they can't really do that. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. The mechanism won't allow it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say this is another good recommendation. Again, you got to have a use case for it. But you know, I'm not trying to integrate this thing into everything. It's you know, if I want to talk about go deal with this, I just go to the pet app, uh, and it's good to go. Dwayne, it needs a camera on the front. So you can, and then a, and a voice, so you can talk back and forth. So, so you know what's funny is people there. It, there are some like that they're talking about coming out with that. I think that's dumb because I don't want the video of from that. So I'm actually taking the Arlo Q yeah, camera sure, when it's done. Sure. I'm gonna sit in my living room where I can see the cat at the cat feeder, and then I can talk through that. So because that's really honestly more useful than getting the cat looking dead at you. And not to mention, if you start talking through it, the cat's going to be like, this thing's possessed. I mean, would you want to eat out of a bowl that's talking to you? I mean, that, that would scare the crap out of me. Well, maybe a little screen. Maybe it's got a little phone screen on it and your, your picture pops up. Yeah, and it, well, you know what? The only reason I think that would be very valuable is you might get cool, like, uh, cat pictures to share on the internet. You know, I, I don't know. Everybody, <laughs> loves a good, everybody good, loves a good cat picture. Shoot, as you were think, as you were talking about this, I started looking up like you know uh, mobile app enabled espresso makers, right? That would be like if I you know I could keep track of how much uh, how many beans are in my hopper. Do I need to add? Am I running low? How many cups have I made? Or set that schedule for me, like when my phone alarm. You know, you talk about this integration. When my phone alarm goes off, if then start grinding beans, right? I mean, how cool would that be to be able to? integrate those two to say grind the beans, send them down to the hopper, you know, and, and you've got it all set up and ready to start brewing your coffee. So we had a couple of questions here that I want to address. Um, one is, does it plug in? Yes. Does it have a backup battery? Yes. Um, it does not, it uses Wi-Fi to get the internet connection. Um, and then the other thing is, that people are here does not support Android devices. I encourage you to go 
and look in the forums and the on their website there's like area where you can look in their FAQs you can email them and tell them you are interested in joining the beta for the Android phone and they will let you in as long as you tell them that you want to and I I have used it it works fine um, so that problem is probably going to be solved fairly quickly uh, as far as Android uh, you cannot use a browser I was just joking I was just joking that's what so, I say whenever whenever I hear we've got an and or we've got an iPhone app and then they'll say what well, we don't have an Android just use the browser yeah the yeah browser. <laughs> yeah no browser app for it um, and, and believe it or not that was one of the things that annoyed me but I did you know we've talked about it I switch between I, iOS to Android to Windows Phone constantly for my job to do certain things. Um, I, by the way, I did upgrade a OnePlus 2 to the new build. I think it's on, is the latest Marshmallow Android? I don't know. That's I a good. So. Well, it's I will so tell you that Android loop. if you have a OnePlus 2 and you have not upgraded it, go do that immediately because that makes that phone actually functional. So, um, big big plus to them. And, and I am thinking about getting a OnePlus 3 at this point because I, I will tell you this tidbit. Jim, and uh, we don't let the secret out too far. So if AT&T is listening, close your ears. If you are one of those people that have the unlimited plan on AT&T because you are a DirecTV and AT&T wireless subscriber, which gives you an unlimited data plan option, the OnePlus 2 is one of the only phones, and I suspect the OnePlus 3 will do this as well, that you can put the SIM card in and turn it into a wireless hotspot. It does not allow. You can take a any. You can take a Nexus 6P. You can take a Windows Phone 650, uh, Lumia 650. All of these things they're they're not sold at AT&T, right? And they're unlocked phones, but all of them honor that AT&T says you can't use it as a wireless hotspot. One plus two, one plus, and I assume one plus three will let you turn on wireless hotspot and you've got 22 gig of LTE available at your tap there. That's their LTE limit on unlimited, but hey, you know, That's huge. go for it. So. Sweet. Well, we, had, we covered some great things. Uh, Dwayne, I want to have you back on here maybe later in August. Uh, you've got a line in the show notes that says uh, desktop in the cloud using Azure to run my desktop in the cloud. Now, we've talked about this. This isn't new but you have in parentheses how to do this cost-effectively. So I'm actually really interested in that because desktop running on Azure has been very, very expensive. And I think, uh, let me ask you, are we to the point where the average guy can afford a desktop on Azure or is it still pretty expensive? So, so interestingly enough, there's like a licensing thing that's associated with this um, it's because uh, it's not like an official thing. You can do it through an MSDN subscription. Um, and I think uh, what I would recommend is that what we do when we talk about it is keep in mind that it's not something that's not coming. It's more fixing the licensing yeah. jargon. It's not a technical problem. Right. Because no, it works the, well. I mean, I have that MSDN subscription that allows me to run desktops. It's a very expensive MSDN subscription. Yes. What I would tell you is that the theory behind, so you know just as well as I do, there's a cap on the amount of money you get. Um, and I do a lot of stuff in there, and I can't, I don't want to overdo my cap. Right. And so I actually went through a process of how do I do 
what I want, which is the desktop in the cloud, but do it in a way that it doesn't eat up my entire allocation. And so um, I've got this thing running, and I think probably in August is a good time because I should be able to tell you over a two to three month period what the cost, average cost to someone would be uh, to do this. Um, so, but there's tricks to it, right? You, you gotta, ha you gotta know how to do it. And it took me a little bit of doing to get it right. Um, so, uh, it's a little bit of having to know something about Azure to pull it off. But I think once it's up and it's running, yeah. um, you'll probably be pretty happy with it. I think it might be interesting, even if you don't have the subscription. It might be interesting for us to kind of walk through an Azure demo of what it's like to use a desktop in the cloud. And, you know, once you get there, it works just the same as every other yeah. desktop. But it may be interesting to walk through a little bit of a demo. Just most people, I think most listeners here, uh, probably wouldn't use it. You're probably not going to go. It, some of you, though, I know have MSDN subscriptions and, and maybe you haven't tried those out. So we may walk through that. Uh, Dwayne, you and I will go back and forth on some dates. And so... Uh, We'll get you back on. Thanks for, for doing this kind of two-part series. There's tons more to talk about, so I'll have you back on and cover some more of this stuff if you'd be willing to jump back in. Now, you're in San Jose. Can you say, uh, can you say why? Uh, you're, you're in a special location there. Can you say why? <laughs> well, you know, it's actually funny is that we watched uh, Air Force One land. So the building that Microsoft has, uh, I'm at the Microsoft facility in Sunnyvale, California, I think we call it Mountain View Campus or whatever. Um, but the building we have is right next to the, it's like literally right next door to the Air Force Base. And and Air Force One just landed there. And so we were all sitting out and watching it and everything. I was showing videos and, uh, and everything uh, from Jim, and he can attest it's literally like, he was like, is it going to hit the building? <laughs> so, so it's... Uh, so I didn't come out here to watch Air Force One. I've been uh, working on some some key projects and some things that are hopefully I can uh, talk about a little bit more uh, later. Kind of doing uh, a lot around automotive uh, type of solutions and things. So I think it's going to be it's going to be some really cool stuff. And and once that stuff starts getting announced uh, publicly, uh, Jim, you uh, you got dibs on talking to me about what that means because it's uh, it's definitely going to uh, probably raise a brow or two um, probably front page and gadget type of stuff but very cool well thanks Dwayne for taking the time to do that you're in my hometown I'll actually be out there in three weeks uh, for my 30-year high school reunion so man it's hard to believe it's been 30 that's more that's longer than Mike Weger's been alive let's just let's just put it that way <laughs> so so and I'll be in that area Moffett Field where you're at old old Navy uh, or Naval Air Station and the largest has one of uh, Hangar One is the largest freestanding structure covering eight acres in the world. Wow. So that big that's hangar that you see out there, yeah. that, that, that's, the, that's the world's largest freestanding structure. Oh, really? Um, so, that's pretty yeah. awesome. Constructed in 1931. As a kid, we drove by that all the time, and so I have, I mean, I've seen that that's burned into my memory there as you go up uh, uh, 101, Highway 101, I think, uh, between there. You were actually between uh, Sunnyvale and, um, I think, Cupertino, Sunnyvale and anyways doesn't matter it'll come to me here uh, Mountain View Sunnyvale and Mountain View is where it's yeah yeah and, uh, and like right down the road from San Jose Airport yep they um 
the interesting thing is I'm taking my wife to uh, Yosemite National Park this oh, weekend. So yeah. I'm thinking that's I've never been there. So been down to uh, if anyone comes to this area, I highly recommend take Highway One south from here down to Big Sur. Stop at Monterey Bay and go to the aquarium. It's just a beautiful drive, but be prepared. It's going to take you all day because every 15 minutes you're going to stop and want to take a picture. No, it's beautiful. I, I say it's the most beautiful place in the world that I've seen other than, well, I, I'd say it ranks equivalent to Hawaii. Yeah. I um, agree. It's just expensive as all get out. I mean, it is super expensive in the Bay Area. It's, it's really Oh, yeah. Don't stay here. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. The drive through. Keep yeah, going. Visit. Keep going. The Bay Area is a great place. My friends and my friends in the Bay Area will will understand. And I always ask them, um, you know, how do you do this? And they they never left. And so they're kind of insulated from the expense of it. You know, they're kind of like, well, you just figure it out. Wages are a lot higher, and and uh, you know, you kind of figure it out. You double up on housing and. Some of those kinds of things I've loved living out here in the Midwest. So it's been I've gotten accustomed to it, uh, being here in Omaha, hanging out with Mike in Omaha. But uh, great to go back. I'll be back there in three weeks, see some friends, and uh, and look forward to. I have an intern, an ex intern of ours at Google this summer, and I may try and sneak in see if he can get me into the Googleplex for a few minutes. Oh, well, Google's right over here. Yeah, it's like right out that window over there. Matter of fact, they have the bikes. And we have pictures of us like stealing the bikes and riding them around. Don't tell Google. It's it's pretty funny. So it's you kind of like your, your Microsoft gear on when you're riding. You know, it, it's hilarious because the two companies have like these big glass windows, right? And so they've now gotten into a war on who can make the best uh, pixel-like picture using sticky notes to make the pixels on the windows. And so there's like Mario jumping over stuff and all this stuff all over the windows, and only like Apple symbols at them and and stuff like that. That's and awesome. so all, it's it's actually quite funny. I'll have to take some a pictures. Minecraft idea, right? I mean, that's, yeah, because it's like little eight bit things using uh, sticky notes. Right. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, looking forward to doing that. <laughs> Someone just called me out for uh, for saying don't tell Google on Google Hangouts. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty true. That's pretty true. I'm pretty sure they're not monitoring it. So don't worry. I returned the bike. I I think uh, I think we're okay. So from that standpoint, Mike grease the chain. Uh, Mike Weger, real quick, you got uh, you got the you got a screw out of your leg today. Oh yeah, I did today. So today was a crazy day. I did a lot of different things today, but the first You've actually thing I did, been under anesthesia today. <laughs> I was fully under anesthesia. You're still here, which yeah, is crazy. At yeah. eleven o'clock this morning. Um, so we had talked about me breaking my leg, and they put ten bolts in. Well, one of those didn't need to come out, but they highly suggested to take it out. Just I'm young, and I'll need it out. So. They'll actually let me keep it, and this right here is the bolt. So it's about three inches, right? Pretty long. I, I don't even know. It's uh. Yeah, this is where you want to come watch the video if you're listening on the right. uh, the, the audio only part. Right. So is this like so. the most unlikely chance to actually have a podcast that was scheduled to happen? Because you were sick and lost your voice. I didn't get my voice back till nine <laughs> o'clock this morning, and he had a screw removed from his leg this morning. Yeah, that's how dedicated we are, people. Uh, that's that's right. how we should have canceled it. it. In all rights, it should have been canceled. But Mike woke up. My voice kind of came back. Dwayne, you sound great, so I, I think we're fine there. But Mike, a little incision. They they backed it back out. And yeah, then, it's it's literally got like a hex screw on uh, the top. It looks like they just took a screwdriver and went whoop and just took it out. They did, and uh, it was real. it was not that long. Whereas the first surgery was like three or four hours to get all those in and do everything. This the doctor she said the surgeon obviously I was out, but 
He went in and did it, came out 12 minutes later, and told her it all went great. So it was a very small, um, quick procedure today, but glad it all went well and stuff. And it feels fantastic. I walked right out of the place. Didn't need crutches, didn't need a boot. Um, that was kind of the goal of taking this out was that everything else has grown around it strong enough that you don't need it in, in there anymore. Yeah. So there's no Man, use. You really it. smashed that thing. Oh, yeah. It was it was. Smashed. You really crushed it. I mean, Mike, if you ever need it to go back in, I got a Ryobi drill at the house. I, it's even got torque on it. I can torque it right and just... We'll just I could have saved, right saved a lot of money, you know. That would have been yeah. a, probably the better way to do That's it. That's awesome. Got a, you know, some X-Acto knife and a screwdriver. We could, probably could have done the same sort of thing. Yeah, so needle and thread and we would have been all good. I got Tony, you covered, man. I Tony says three inches and a few hundred dollars, maybe a few thousand dollars for yeah. that little screw. I remember. Well, and that was another benefit of doing it now was he's like, you're you're going to want this later, and you've already probably met your deductible because of the surgery earlier in the right. year. He's right. like, so just get it done, get it out of there now. Don't so. don't worry about it. They could have they could have probably done a local and some other things to you know a block a nerve block or something, right. but probably just as easy to put you under and and. Uh, uh, Bring you back. Knock me out. I don't that want to snap see that. of oh me too. I am always about just just knock it out. Yeah, I don't I want to hear that drill. Would just, oh, I would have yacked all over the place just because I heard the drill going. And, no, because oh, in the ER oh, that's what they do. They do the stuff where you're still fully conscious, you just can't feel it, and then you watch him reset your ankle, and you're like, that's not what you want to see. No, like, that makes a lot of memories. In your not even head. happening to me. I get hurt on that. Yeah, thing. it's oh uh, so, yeah, it's nuts. When they told me they were going to take my wisdom teeth. I said, you better knock me out. I don't even want to know. And it was the best decision ever. Yeah, four hundred dollars, Mike. Uh, this was these are these are two thousand three numbers. Two four hundred dollars a screw when they put my ankle back together. Wow. So Whoa. It's, uh, yeah, four hundred titanium. You know, and I'm sure you know who's gonna who's gonna argue with the price. Right? Who's going to say, <laughs> like, say no, nope, sorry, I'll go with it. Use the budget screws for home. I, I, I like it dangling like this. I think I'll keep it that way. It's kind of fun. <laughs> could, you, could, you use the, could you just use the uh, the drywall screws that come from? <laughs> yeah, you were like, yeah, hold on, honey. the old ones that I took out of something. Here, I'll bring my own screws. <laughs> I could just see Jim. And now, uh, hold on a second. Honey, can you run down to Home Depot, give me a bag <laughs> of screws, just bring just, them back? You don't need those. Just wash them up. UIOS screwing or surgeon can I bring my own? Yeah, they well when they when they routered because uh, they actually routered out a section of my bone to put the plate in. It's a it's I'm I'm sure it's a different kind, but it looked like because he pulled he was pulling out the hardware before I had my surgery, and it looked like the stuff you buy at Home Depot, right? It wasn't that much different. And I'm That's sure my bunny said it's still the same one. I'm yeah. sure it's uh, I'm sure it's medical grade in some way, but it, there is it, no Tony difference. Could probably tell us, but between it, this screw and anything else, I guarantee it. it is yeah, like, where I just yeah. Put it. but it's the same. <laughs> it's a hex. It's got a hex head, and yeah. it's, that's just so it doesn't strip. <laughs> yeah. Right? Could you imagine? Okay, we got to get the whole, use the rubber band trick where they're putting a rubber band on the top to get it to stick in there. It's and, bad. It's bad. Yeah. There's people listening to this right now that are getting sick. <laughs> to their oh, yeah, we should have made this a post show conversation. Yeah, yeah, we should have. Well, we're going let to post show. Let me wrap it and we'll go into post show. I'll remind everyone to take full advantage. Uh, of all the resources we have available on our website, we've been I've been posting a few uh, a few new reviews and uh, that are out there, as well as the links and the show notes to what we're doing. We will post the links to the show notes with the Amazon affiliate link in there. Appreciate you using that Amazon affiliate link. It allows us to kind of do some cool things for the network. I actually have guys. I have a cool little device coming for the iPhone. It's a it's a Rode microphone. So Mike, you'll like this. It's different than the one you're using. Sixty five dollars just plugs into the plugs into the uh, the mic port here, kind of clamps on, sticks out like this, and it's directional. So wherever you point it, it oh, picks it up. Nice. So it's like a mini shotgun mic. 
Uh, we're going to try it with our interns. Uh, I need to do some shoots and video with them. We'll try that out. So if you're thinking like, hey, man, I'd love to get some good video because these phones now get really good video, which is kind of crazy. But I'm not real, I'm not real uh, excited about the audio that comes out of them uh, when, on the microphone. That's, it's still pretty good when you talk right into it. Okay. But, but if you've got somebody far away, it's a little bit harder. So we've got that coming in, 65 bucks. We'll talk about that yeah. uh, a little bit more. By the way, perfect example of something you could be reviewing for the Tech Scholarship Fund, if that's something you want to do. Send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. I just posted a review of the Elgato VCR to digital converter. Sounds like a $100 item, and uh, and I put the post up there. We've had two of those go out, but again, that's one of those gadgets. Like it, it, It's never become more important. If you've got old VHS tapes, and you they're family videos, and you need to move those to digital, uh, we talk about that, and you can get the opportunity to pick that up and, of course, use that tech scholarship fund. When you do that, let me know. I, I also mentioned last week that uh, if you get to the end of the show, <laughs> you're the 5% most engaged that you do it, and if you want to be on the show, um, we love to interview you for that, and I got one. So if there's others out there, if you got a good camera, good mic, we'd like to have you on. If you got something that you want to talk about, in this case, it's a Windows Phone MVP. So, Dwayne, you'll appreciate that. He's going to one, one of the two that are left, I think, on the planet, and we're all converting it in Microsoft. There's some weird stuff going on with the MVP programs there at Microsoft. But uh, he's we're going we're gonna to work on uh, see if we can get him on. But... If I'll say it again, if you're interested, you got a good mic and a camera, you want to join us, you got something to talk about. Uh, we'd love to. I'd love to kind of interview you to see if you've uh, if you got some stuff that uh, we want to talk about here. Just love to have you on, and I want to have a conversation with you for just before I bring you on. I used to just bring folks on, and that's okay. But I'd I should probably have a conversation with you. Before. I'm sorry, I run that for everyone. <laughs> no, well, Dwayne, I've known you for a long time, so uh, we, we I knew the craziness that was behind. Oh, you. shouldn't you bring up the the meetup? Hmm. I should indeed. September seventeenth, I think, is the meetup uh, in Indianapolis. So, if you're going to be out for the uh, for the home server show uh, meetup that we do every single year, you might want to start blocking that out. I think Dave's put a post out there. Uh, oh, am I supposed it. to sign up now? Uh, I don't know. I haven't talked to Dave in like three weeks. He's moving, and so he's been moving for a year. <laughs> well, he kind of goes under. I think he's. I think he's actually moving, though. I mean, like he's actually picking up stuff and stuff and is moving. moving. Yeah. Oh, I we think. should we should rephrase this. Yes. Dave is paying someone to pick up stuff <laughs> to move it. You might be right, Dwayne, about that. You might be unless right, it's so. technical in nature, but then he won't trust them. He is no. He'll move his own stuff for sure. But uh, we've got the uh, we've got that meetup coming up in September in Indianapolis, and we'll be at the Microsoft headquarters. Dwayne, you coming up for it? Yep, okay. I should be there, and uh, I think uh, Rob Dentler should be coming up, and a few others of us. Uh, Good. Good. So. I'm trying to talk Mike into it as well. Uh, maybe Mike with me, Mike Weger, right? Yeah, out there. Yeah, this this year might be the year it actually works. We'll have to yeah. see. Yeah, we're gonna and then if you guys like the conversation tonight about too about IP cameras and talking about all of that home security stuff, I think we have a review unit uh, of an Amcrest unit, which is a whole different solution. NVR, it's a box that'll do all this for you. It's actually relatively inexpensive. I think this one is about a hundred dollars. Uh, you throw a hard drive in there, and it can connect all your IP cameras for you and do it locally. So we can have the whole different side of the conversation. Hopefully, in the weeks to come, I think that'll be a, a nice little review to talk about on here and see how it works. Cool. Awesome. Well, let me wrap. Let me wrap it and say the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, of course, powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. For more information, you know that's Christian. For more information, head out to MapleGrovePartners.com and plans start 
as little as $10. We'll thank Roger out of WLMN Radio, who keeps playing Home Gadget Geeks out there, Terrestrial Radio in Grafton, West Virginia. So I've, I actually had a listener tell me he was just miles from Grafton, West Virginia this, uh, this last week and almost swung by just to see if he was actually playing it. Yeah, so, no kidding. John, thanks for the, the, the note on that. And uh, if you are anywhere near Grafton, West Virginia, I think Monday through Friday we're on 9 a.m. local time. Yeah, we're doing it in the morning slot. 9 to 10. So if you, if I just love for somebody to like record that. You know, I've never, I, we've, we always send the files over there, but I have no idea if he's actually playing them. I think he is, but Roger, thanks for doing that as well. Again, don't forget to download the mobile app and just head out to homegadgetgeeks.com. We already talked about the Average Guy Scholarship Fund and all things good. We are out here 8.30, I'm sorry, we're out here, what time are we out here? 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. We do this live every Thursday and love to have you join us. If you haven't joined us live, we got a pretty good chat room that's out there, and uh, we'd love to have you join us for it. And uh, with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>